0: Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you for being a part of Oaks Church. Uh, we're gonna talk about who we are as a church, and who we are as, as people. There are a lot of different ways that we find our identities. A lot of different ways that we, that we establish and we meet people and we tell people where we're from. Uh, I was born in San Diego. California, one of, my, one of my favorite places on earth still to this day, San Diego, California. The weather is always perfect. It's beautiful. My, my, I, I was only there till I was five. My parents um, had, my older brother and sister were in high school, and my parents decided that they didn't want, they were from the Bible Belt. And they decided they didn't want myself and my little sister growing up in Southern California because of the spiritual climate there that wasn't like it was in the Bible Belt. And so they left paradise and they moved to a little place called Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And that's where I grew up. And when I moved in, I still remember uh, the first day that I was there in in our little house there in Broken Arrow, and there were no fences. It was a brand new neighborhood, and the kids just ran all over. And I remember seeing other little kids, and and I was meeting friends, you know, uh, Mike Bailey and Tyler Roberts and all of my little neighborhood buddies that I would grow up with. And, And I was the kid from California, and I liked that. I wasn't the kid from Oklahoma. I was the kid from California and I held on to that identity all the way until I moved to Texas. And I'm only from Oklahoma during a certain season of the year. It's called football season. And then I'm from Oklahoma. But the whole, you understand? We, we game for whatever reason. I mean, in high school, I kept the Cali kid thing. I had long hair. I wore tie dye. I had a Volkswagen bug. I wanted to be this California hippie or, or whatever. And I just, for whatever reason, I just thought it was cool. And we can, if we're not careful, we can get stuck in these different things that we feel like are our origin. We feel like it's where we're from, and where we're from can either make us feel proud. I mean, there's something about being from Texas, right? I remember being, I was in Russia with the U.S. Taekwondo team, and, and some of the members on this team were, were some rowdy folk, and, and one of my friends that was on the team was a guy named Jay Doolin that grew up in, uh, in, 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 in biker gangs, and his dad was the president of the screaming banshees, and he was one of the enforcers for the screaming banshees, and he was someone that I fought on a regular basis, and his stories were terrifying. I'm still scared of that guy. And we're in Russia, and, and he talked like this. People say, You from America? He's like, No, I'm not from America, I'm from Texas. That's what he would say. Where's the Bud Light? There's no Bud Light in Russia. By God, this dude found Bud Light in Russia. He was so determined. I'm from Texas. Y'all stank, that's what he would say. You you need to take a bath. He would just, I mean, he was so, realistically, we all stunk when we were over there in Russia. Just anyway, it was so cold. But guys, where we're from, we can either feel really proud of it or we can be embarrassed of it. Who we think we're from We can either be really proud or we could be embarrassed of it. And the truth of the matter is none of us are actually from where we think we're from. We're not from some state. We're not even from our parents. The reality is that our actual origin is that we're from God. Our origin, our identity... Is not found in a state. It's not found in a family. Those things give us context and texture while we're alive on this planet, but we're actually from God. Watch this passage. I, I've been in the Book of Colossians for the last couple weeks and just couldn't escape it. And I was caught up in this passage, First Colossians 15, uh, and down through Second Col- or, or, or Colossians uh, 2. Colossians 1:15. This is where we'll start today. The Son, this is speaking of Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Watch this. For in him all things were created. Do you hear that? In him All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things have been created through him and for him. Everything exists through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in him All things hold together. That includes you. In Jesus, you hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Watch this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him... To reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He goes on to say in Colossians 2 that the entirety, the fullness of the Godhead existed inside of Jesus in bodily form. Inside of Jesus, all of God was inside of Jesus in bodily form. Every bit of God, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him in bodily form. And this passage explains that we actually exist in him. In Acts 17, it says that in him, we live and move and have our being. You don't actually live in Texas. You live in Jesus. You exist in Jesus. One of the names, and we'll mention this next week as we go through this series, one of the names of God, the way that God described himself, he called himself the I am. I am has sent you. It means the existence, the existing one, everything that is, is in him. You live in him. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that is that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it or not comprehended it. Jesus is our identity. Jesus is our existence. Listen, even before you know him, you exist in him. Even before you come to faith, every person. Muslims exist in Jesus. Hindus exist in Jesus. Everything exists in Jesus. You are in Christ. Whether you like it or not someone here in this room didn't want to come today whether you like it or not no matter where you are no matter where you think you'd rather be when you're there you're in Christ because all things exist in him nothing is except in him he is existence you can't run from God anybody ever try my favorite band of all time is the band U2. And, and I love the lead singer, Bono. I, he, a lot, he's, he's not for everybody, but I love how spiritual he is. I, I was at a U2 concert when they came in Cowboys Stadium. And, and I'm literally there, and I'm down on the front. We, we had found our way to the floor and it was this big spider revolving stage and all of a sudden he's out on this catwalk and he comes and the stage revolves and I'm five foot away from Bono and I'm listen I'm I listen i am i do not get starstruck I couldn't breathe five foot away from Bono and he starts leading amazing grace And a 100,000 drunk people worship God. The greatest worship leader I've ever seen in that moment. And I remember in an interview hearing one time, somebody asked him, what type of music moves you? What type of songs move you? And he said, songs that are either about running to God or running away from God. Because that's real life. And we find ourselves in those places at times. See, if we exist in him and if all the fullness of God exists in him and we in him live and move and have our being, how is it that we can feel empty sometimes? How is it that we can feel lack sometimes when we actually exist and live inside of Jesus? He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He is all of creation and we exist inside of Him. You, you ever felt like you were running on empty? Ever felt weary? You ever told God, no? Man, I have. No, I'm not doing that. 20 years, no, God, I'll never be a pastor. <laughs> Next 20 years, no God, I'll never start a church. No way. Anybody else, send someone else, not me. You cannot run him, guys. What he has spoken over your life, it will come to pass. Doesn't mean you don't go through wilderness times, doesn't mean you don't go through dry seasons. Doesn't mean you don't sometimes feel far from him, although you're never far from him, because you exist in him. He he is life. The light of life came into the world, and the world hasn't perceived him, hasn't recognized him. Yet the whole world exists in him. He didn't just die for you, he didn't just die for me, he didn't just die for Americans. He didn't just die for a certain, Jesus died for the whole cosmos. He died for all of creation. All of creation exists inside of him. We feel empty sometimes because we, we have this, even though we exist in him, we have uh, what I've heard described as a God shaped whole. And in our stubbornness, we try to fill it with any and everything else. In our stubbornness. In our anger. I didn't ever realize how angry I was at God. I I thought I was during my childhood, during my teen years, I was so angry. I was so violent because of the revelation of what a male cousin did to me. When I was five and six, I had a rage. Oh, my God, I had a rage. I had a murderous rage inside of me because I was so angry and I didn't realize it probably until, I don't know, 30 some odd years later that I wasn't really, I wasn't really mad at that cousin. I wasn't really angry at him. I was angry at God. Why did you let that happen? You could have stopped that. And I'm trying to fill these things inside of my life that can never satisfy because I've got this grudge against the one that I live in. I live in him, but I was mad at him, holding a grudge against him. See, you're not promised an easy life. There's no promise of an easy life. You thought this was going to be a feel-good message today. Some of you, you came to Jesus. You gave your life to Jesus. You dedicated yourself to Jesus. And everything went to hell in a handbasket. Did you know that Jesus, when he, when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down and descended upon him like a dove... Do you know what happened? He went on vacation after that and it was wonderful and he was hanging out by the Sea of Galilee and he was drinking the finest wines in Galilee, just having a wonderful time. No, actually, it says, and he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and he was tempted by the devil himself. You've never had Lucifer at your house. Jesus dealt with the devil himself, the actual Satan, personally. You deal with little monkey demons, little imps. Satan doesn't come to your house. You just think it's him. He's been defeated already. He's already defeated. See, Jesus said something on the cross. You know what he said? He said, It is finished. Some of us are still waiting for Jesus to do something and it's already done. He's not doing anything else. It's already done. We may not have grasped it yet. We may not have actualized it yet, but it's already done. It's already finished and you lack nothing. You lack nothing. See, this is what it says in Colossians 2.9. I've been stuck in this verse for two weeks. I cannot escape this verse. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Watch this. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Or another translation says, you have been made full in him. Last night, I had a plan. Uh, I, 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 Cassius made the barbecue, next door barbecue, next level door barbecues, Man, it was so good. Uh, and and he, that was his offering. He bought all that meat, he and his wife, and, and all of that, every bit of it. They did that as an offering unto the Lord. It was a fragrant offering. The smoke went up to heaven, and God was pleased. And they donated it, all of that to our church and every dollar that came in went to the building fund for our Oaks, Growing Oaks building fund. Thank you so much for that. I, I, I mean, just incredible, wonderful. But I had a plan. See, I, I thought I got here at one to help set up, but really I got here at one to start eating barbecue. I thought it would already be here and he'd be working and, and, and he didn't get here until uh, it started in three. And so I was the first person in line because I had a plan that I had the three hour window to eat dinner like three times. That was my plan. There's this thing, I heard Jason Roussel called it the meat sweats. That thing is real, right? I mean, that thing. So I had so much barbecue. I was so full that I was miserable last night at about three in the morning. Oh, my God. I was made full (laughs) in him. Not in him, in him. So much barbecue. See, here's the deal. When you're full, when you're full, you're not tempted to keep eating. When you're full, you can walk past a buffet, you're full. I can't possibly put anything else inside of me. I'm not tempted in this way or that way, I'm full. And some of us, we, we, we run on empty when he's actually made us full. And we have this misconception and we feel like there's something missing and there's something that we lack and he's already made us full. And the problem is that we keep trying to put other things inside of this place that only he fills. We have to learn how to be made full in him. He's already done it. He's already done the work. But throughout the week, we we consume media. We, we We don't just consume food. We consume media. Amusement. The word muse means to make think. And all of these different things, whether it's music, it's that same word, muse. Music makes you think. You should be careful what type of music you listen to. It will make you think certain ways. I have to be very intentional. I have a commute and I drive throughout the week. And I have to be very intentional what I listen to. Because if I'm not careful, I'm listening to all this political stuff and talk. What is it about getting old? You actually care about all this stuff that's going on and listening to the news and all this kind of stuff. When you're young, you you don't even think about that news. Why would I ever? And if I'm not careful, I'll listen to that for hours. And I'm full of chaos, drama, division. And what you're full of is what comes out of you. If you stub your toe and pray in tongues, you are full of Jesus. (laughs) Step on a Lego and just start worshiping. Full of Jesus. But most of us, something else comes out. A friend of mine has a t-shirt, says, I love Jesus, but I still cuss a little. Come on, guys, what are we filling ourselves up with? You've been made full in him. You lack nothing. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, 12, verse 1 and 2. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's written the book of your life. He's written the story of your life. He's the alpha and he's the omega. That means he's the, it's basically the A and the Z. He's every single letter of your life. He's already written it. He's already finished it. You don't have to finish anything. You just have to follow him. He's finished it. And every day you take another step and another step. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I studied that phrase out many years ago and it literally says that the way that the words fit together, how they're parsed, is it literally makes, it creates the connotation that when a righteous man takes a step, he steps out onto the invisible. There's nothing there when you start the step, but God orders the step underneath your feet. Every single step. So many of us were waiting for something to step on. And I'll move when there's something... There's nothing to step on yet. It's because you're not in motion. And if you would take a righteous step, he would order it beneath your foot. He won't let you fall. He won't let your foot strike against a stone. He'll protect you. But you've got to be willing to step. The opposite of faith is fear. And we can be paralyzed in fear. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. We've got, listen, we should be the gutsiest people out there. As Christians, when you realize that that he's already finished it, he's the one that wrote the book of you. He's the author and the finisher. And I love another translation of that says he's the pioneer and the perfecter. Oh he's the perfecter of your faith you have been made full in him another translation that says have been made perfect in him made complete in him he's the perfecter of you and the truth of the matter is is as long as you stay in him and as long as you follow him you can't lose you can't fail because, a fa- listen, it doesn't mean you won't have ups and downs. doesn't mean you won't have what we call or term in life as failures. Those things happen. They happen to the best of us. I, I don't remember exact, the, the exact dynamics of it, but, but Babe Ruth had the most home runs at, for a certain period of time, but he also had the most strikeouts. I, I mean, I, as a fighter, I had a lot of great knockouts. But I've been knocked out a lot. If you ever think there's something wrong with my head, you're right. (laughs) I have been knocked out so many times. I've been beaten so many times. But you get back up and every loss is a learning opportunity. Every failure, if you learn how to fail forward instead of fail backwards, some people fail and then they wallow in it. But if we can fail, and just as long as you're failing forward and you're learning something, you pick up and you go to the next, come on, I can't remember, I think it was Thomas Edison said, I never failed one time, I just learned 10,000 ways it didn't work. It's about perspective. Winston Churchill said that success is the ability to go from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. I just keep faith I mess up I fail I I keep faith the Bible doesn't say that the righteous don't fall the righteous says that though a righteous man falls seven times he rises again we're not people that don't fail we're people that keep getting up and as long as we keep getting up it works to our ultimate victory because he's already finished the book of you. He's already written it, he's authored it, and he's published it. He's finished it to completion. He's the Alpha, and he's the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And every letter of your story is perfectly crafted by him. You know, God created the devil, right? There, there are evil times in our lives. See, I, the evil things that happen in our lives... They only stay evil until we get his perspective. See, I, I had, about being molested, I had so much shame and guilt in my life over that because that's what a, vic, that's, that's what a victimizer does, that's what an abuser does, they put it on, on the victim. And I was embarrassed of it, I was, I was ashamed of it. And, and all of a sudden, in my late 20s, when I started into ministry, all of a sudden, I, I found myself in moments like this, being forced by the Holy Spirit to talk about something that I didn't want anyone to know. And, and I began to watch teenagers by the 10s and 20s and 30s and hundreds become, begin to get set free because they were living in a prison that I lived in until my my late 20s because so I wouldn't talk about it and I wouldn't share it and I was ashamed. And I finally, I didn't tell my parents until my late 20s because I didn't want them to feel any responsibility or feel any guilt or have to deal with that. And I realized that if I don't tell them, they're going to hear about it on a CD or on a message somewhere. because. God won't let me stop talking about this because statistically people deal with this in mass levels and mass numbers. And so many people are stuck in a place, a prison of shame, that they were put in by an abuser and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And what the enemy intended to destroy my life, what he intended to use to to confuse my identity. Actually, God has turned out to be something that has set thousands of people free over the last 20 years. Thousands of people free. Because if I can get healing, so can you. If I can find purpose in the pain, see, when you find purpose in the pain, it it creates something brand new in your life. A new opportunity. That you didn't just go through that to go through that. You went through that because you can be a part of someone else's victory. What do you build your life on? The final point that I have for you today is to fill your world with his words. Jesus said it like this. He said, whoever builds their house... Uh, uh, whoever, whoever hears my words and obeys them is like a man who builds his house on the rock. He told a parable, a story of someone who built their house on the rock and the storm came and the waves came and it crashed and their house stood still. But another person built it on the sand. When Jennifer and I were building this house that we just finished, we had to do all this dirt work, and there were parts that we had to move big pieces, all this dirt around, and to keep make the house level. Uh, one place we built up about a couple feet, another place we built up about six or eight feet or around the pad site. And and before they put the foundation in, they drilled down every single corner of the house. They drilled down, and they poured concrete piers all the way to the bedrock. And on one corner of the house, it was two feet and they hit the bedrock. And on the other back corner of the house, it was 17 feet before they hit the bedrock. But every corner, every single pressure point in our house is connected to the bedrock. And when those rains came last week, we we don't have grass yet. So we have acres of mush and mud. But the ho- we, we have mess, but the house is on rock. Yeah. You understand? It's not going to ever going anywhere. Our last house in Plano was not on rock. And we had to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for foundations work later because it wasn't on rock. You understand? Some of you had to do that too. We got to be people that fill our world with his words I have a final question for you do do you have a life verse do you have a passage of scripture that's yours it's your verse your passage see the the Jews when they turn 13 they go through a a process Uh, the young men do what's called a bar mitzvah the girls do a bat mitzvah it means son of the covenant son of the law daughter of the law they're now responsible before that. They're not responsible for their own salvation or their own covenant with God. But after that, they're responsible for their own covenant relationship with God. They stand before God as an adult at 13. And every single one of them are given a passage that's assigned to them. This is their life passage. You may, you may not have found that yet. But I'll share mine with you. The passage that my life is built on is Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Say that. Can you say that with me? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Say this with me. Because the Lord has anointed me. Will you say that? Because the Lord has anointed me. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. That word anointed means that you have been smeared with his presence. This this is the passage that's about the ministry of Jesus. If Jesus was here today, you could recognize him by what he would do according to this passage. This is the passage of what the Messiah would do. And anyone who is called to serve Jesus, their life should, should fit in here somewhere. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to bind up brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for captives, release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Watch. And they will be called oaks. Of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. About 18 months or so ago, when the Lord made it very clear to me that that we would be starting a church, and I was praying and asking him, Alright, Father, if this is gonna happen, then what's the name? He says, You already know the name. Go to your verse. See, I, I had focused on the first three verses of this passage because they were all about the ministry of the Messiah and I could connect into how I would live and how I what I would be like but I didn't didn't connect into that last part that then it begins to talk about God's people and what his people would be called and he called them oaks Of righteousness and they were a planting of the lord for the display of his own splendor and then and then the whole rest of the passage is about the body of god the body of believers and what they would do together See, this is what the oaks will do together. They will rebuild ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities and they have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd their flocks and foreigners will work in their fields and their vineyards. And you shall, or you will be called priests of the Lord and you will be named ministers of our God and you will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance and so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. That's what the Lord speaks over you today. You are a part of his restoration movement. You're part of his rebuilding movement. And you can't do that in a place of poverty. He says that you will have strangers working for you. You'll have other people building your future. What the enemy tried to steal from you, you'll receive a double portion of your inheritance. That you'll boast in the wealth of nations. You'll boast in the wealth of nations because you are Oaks people. You're called to do a great work for him. It's the ministry of the Messiah. You you are those that will bind up brokenhearted, and you will release the gospel to the poor and you will set captives free and you'll declare the year of the Lord's favor. That's who you're called to be. That's who we are. This is us. This is us. If you don't have a life verse you do for now until he shares something different. But what I didn't know when the Lord gave me this is that Tiffany and Ken had this as their life first. And everything they've done in their life has been built off of this. And when God calls people together, it's amazing that all of a sudden I'm sharing this is the vision. This is what we're called and they're like, "Look at my journal and look at this is what God said to us and he's called us together. This this is us." It's not just about me and Jennifer or Brandon and Angel. It's this is us. God has a plan for us. He's got a future for us. He's got inheritance for us. He's got positions of prominence for us. Why? 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 Because He wants to expand His territory and He's going to do it through you. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto Me. If you be lifted up, you will glorify Him and draw all men unto Him. That's why He'll glorify you. That's why he'll elevate you because he wants to do more through you you are the conduit of his blessing in the earth you're the conduit that's why we should be the most generous people on the planet because if God's gonna do something he's doing it through you I don't want to face God and he say to me I wanted to do so much more through you but you were too stingy you were too selfish You were too focused on you. So I had to pick someone else
1: that would have my
0: purpose and my focus, my heart. I don't want to stand before him like that. And neither do you. We're Oaks people, amen? Amen, he's got big plans for us. I'm excited about this series. Next week, we're gonna begin to walk through the story of Moses and how Moses encountered God and knew God in an amazing and intimate level. And you don't wanna miss that. It's gonna be beautiful. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we wanna invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.